Welcome to Deal of the Week, Bloomberg's podcast on the world of deals, mergers, and acquisitions. I'm your host, Alex Sherman. This week's Deal of the Week is TPG's $450 million investment in Vice Media. Announced last week, Vice is now valued at $5.7 billion and may be plotting its course for an initial public offering. Of course, there's always a chance Vice sells first. But I wanted to do today's show on Vice because, to be perfectly honest, I don't really understand the company's valuation, and so I'm hoping two of Bloomberg's finest media experts can help explain it to me. Joining me in studio are Bloomberg media reporter Jerry Smith and Bloomberg intelligence media analyst Paul Sweeney, making his first appearance on the podcast. That That is a gross oversight on my part. <laughs> Listeners, let me tell you, you are in for a treat. Welcome, guys. Great Thanks to be for here. having me. All right, Jerry, let's start with you. Simply, what is Vice? So Vice is a digital media company led by Shane Smith, who's one of the, the great characters of the media industry right now. He has convinced a lot of investors that he essentially owns the attention spans of millennials across America. Um, you know, in a statement recently, he said that he owns Vice owns the largest millennial video library in the world. So that $5.7 billion valuation relies a lot on Shane Smith's um, salesmanship and his ability to convince the media industry that he's got the younger audience, the millennial audience, that the really big traditional media companies like Fox and Disney are really having trouble reaching on television. Do we have, Are there any numbers out there that is evidence for his argument that he actually does own the audience beyond the size of the library? Like, Do we know how many viewers there are to Vice, or is it Maybe you can go in a little bit like, what does Vice own exactly today? Right. So Vice, I mean, they have, um, you know, they produce digital video for their website. Uh, they do long form documentaries. They actually got uh, a lot of critical acclaim for a documentary they did on ISIS. Uh, they also produce a daily news show for HBO. Last year, they launched a cable channel called Viceland, uh, which is dedicated to topics like uh, marijuana culture. They have a show called uh, Bong Petit, where <laughs> cooks will uh, make food infused with marijuana. And they also do a uh, series on like gay and lesbian issues. So Viceland is a cable channel. Uh, its audience is still pretty small. Um, I think that a lot of the valuation is based on Vice's relationship with HBO. Um, and you know, that's, that's really what I think most people are focused on. And then obviously vice has gotten some investments from Fox and Disney and A&E networks. And so they're really making a bet on vice that, you know, they can work with vice and, and vice has the attention of this younger generation. So Paul, maybe help me figure out, like, is this just a big bet on marijuana or like, what, what is the outlier here? Why are all these other digital media companies, not valued this high, whereas Vice seemingly is so much higher. What does Vice have that your general run-of-the-mill digital media company doesn't have? You know, I'm I'm not really sure. This one, clearly the valuation here is really a head-scratcher for the folks on Wall Street that follow the media sector. Um, you know, there's not a lot of numbers out there on Vice. Uh, you know, there was a 2015 revenue number out there of maybe $500 million. So, you know, if you kind of gross that up a little bit for 2016 and you kind of think about that in the context of their $5.7 billion valuation, that's, you know, like 10 times revenue. Um, so we're talking internet kind of valuation levels here. And and uh, What's the traditional media company's revenue multiple? Typically? Viacom today trades about two times okay. revenue. You yeah. know, when you think about Viacom, 
a lot of people kind of liked Vice to Viacom because Viacom also targets a younger demo, um, you know, with kids and, and teens and so on. But um, I mean, you, you clearly can't make that uh, leap there. So when you think about Vice and this 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 kind of valuation, it really goes to investors just desire to try to reach millennials any way, any shape, anyhow. And I think Vice is just kind of the flavor of the day, if you will. And as, as Jerry mentioned, we've got some traditional media companies laying some bets here, Disney, Fox, uh, Sir Martin Sorrell's WPP group. Uh, so you got some a, you know, A-list kind of investors that have uh, placed some bets on this company. And I think the reason they're doing that is they're trying to figure out in this digital world where traditional media and digital delivery of content are all kind of coming together, uh, you know, one of the key challenges is to try to reach millennials. And some of the traditional media companies, you know, feel like they are missing the boat in some regards. So this might be a, a way to kind of hedge their bets. So let me give you some context. Uh, our intern, Carson Bednar, ran some numbers for me in terms of how Vice has grown from a valuation standpoint. So in 2011, Tom Freston, the, the founder of MTV, WPP, which you mentioned, Paul, Rain Group, which is a global investment bank that often specializes in media, they all invested in Vice. Uh, Rain also does sort of side investments, I should say. At that point, an undisclosed amount. In 2013, 21st Century Fox invests $70 million for a 5% stake, valuing Vice at $1.4 billion. In 2014, A&E Networks, which is co-owned by Hearst and Disney, uh, and and uh, the Technology Crossover Ventures Group, both a venture capital fund, both invested $250 million for a 10% stake. So now Vice valued at $2.5 billion. In 2015, Disney comes along, and then their investment values Vice at $4.5 billion. And now, last week, 2017, TPG investing 450 million so Vice has a 5.7 billion valuation. Paul, you mentioned Viacom trading at two times revenue. 5.7 billion dollars for Vice as is. Can you give us some context on how odd that valuation is by maybe telling us a little bit about what other sure. media companies are worth? Let's just take a look at um, the New York Times company, kind of the the blue chip news organization out there that is in fact doing a pretty good job putting up its paywall and getting customers to pay for their digital content. That company has an enterprise value of $2.8 billion, so about half of where Vice is. Um, and that's about two times revenue. So, But let's kind of go to the other end so of the spectrum. So Vice yeah. is worth two New York Times. Two New York Times, okay. is that's right. But let, let's go to the other end of the spectrum. You know, Netflix, um, you know, the mother of all digital media companies, disruptors, online video providers with a $68 billion enterprise value. Uh, that's about six times revenue. So believe it or not, Vice is even valued as a multiple of revenue well above where Netflix is. So, you know, it doesn't really matter where, where you kind of look on the spectrum here, um, you know, whether it's traditional media like the New York Times or Time Inc. or some of the more high-flying tech-driven names like Net Netflix. This Vice valuation uh, is, a, is a big number. It's a, it's a big valuation, and it's a big play, I think, from the investor's perspective on what is proven to be kind of an elusive audience for them. So look, one of the things Things I have heard about Vice, uh, certainly analysts have speculated that, oh, Disney will buy Vice because Disney has made bets, somewhat significant bets, not really that significant considering Disney is an enormous, well over $100 billion company, but they've bought Maker Studios. And what am I missing here, Jerry? What are some of the other millennial investments that Disney has bought in recent years? 
played them. You know, played them. Yeah. Well, they also mentions. bought Lucasfilm. Lucasfilms goes to right. Those are bigger investments. Those are at least a little bit more established, I suppose. But, anyways, my point is here that Disney apparently didn't want to buy Twitter because. This is certainly what was told to me at the time. They were concerned with the branding issues of Twitter. There's all these Twitter trolls, and it does not fit with Walt Disney's Mickey Mouse-type image. Vice certainly doesn't seem like... I mean, the name of the company is Vice. <laughs> so why do people think Disney is going to buy this company? And, and and is that really the way forward here, or are we thinking IPO? And also, how will this company play in a public market setting? Well, I think that the speculation around a Vice Disney um, deal has been fueled by Shane Smith himself, the founder of Vice. I mean, he's an unbiased. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think you know you can agree or disagree with the valuation of Vice, and and some people feel like the company's overhyped. I I think most people would agree that Shane Smith is a hell of a salesman. I think he's out there. He's sort of um he's fueling a lot of this speculation he's talking about you know he talks openly about selling the company and and f- you know that floats the idea of of Disney being a potential buyer um a lot of people made um you know this latest round of investment a lot of people noticed that Disney was not part of that funding round you know which sort of got people thinking maybe that things have cooled off between Disney and Vice so TPG was the one that led this investment and don't get me wrong I'm not saying Vice is not a good company, or in fact, the leading company among digital media companies. I'm just trying to figure out exactly where the valuation comes from. TPG is a private equity company that has a lot of history investing in media companies. So maybe what is the bull case for Vice from a valuation standpoint? In other words, I get that they're, you know, millennials, are, you can just throw out the word millennials and that's attached to Vice, but concretely, is it is the thinking that they will develop a traditional TV station that will take all the eyeballs? I mean, it's a news station, right? That doesn't seem like a great business. What else is there that's going to attract all this revenue? Well, this latest round of funding, Vice said they're going to use the money for producing more online video, um, some scripted programming, and, and you know, in particular, um, you know, creating an online video subscription service. Uh, so if you're a company like Disney and you want to develop a direct relationship with consumers and you're thinking about you know, how to do that, I mean, here's a company like Vice. They're developing that. I mean, there's a lot of um, – I mean, the other thing that, that's worth mentioning is if you look at digital media companies that um, you know, supposedly have the attention of millennials, there's not that many left. Um, digital media, there's been this shakeout probably in the last year where there, there's probably three or four – big digital media companies and, and you look at Vice being the biggest in terms of valuation. You got BuzzFeed, Vox Media, and then, you know, a lot of people throw in Refinery Twenty Nine. But after that, you start to get into this weird middle ground where you're not quite big enough um, to get the kind of eyeballs to draw the ad dollars and you're not sort of specific and targeted in a niche enough to get that audience and so you're, you know, you're seeing companies like Mashable and Mike, um, you know, starting to pivot more towards just going all in on online video. You know, there's certainly more ad dollars to be gotten from online video than there is from display advertising. But, um, you know, I think if everybody gets into online video, eventually that market starts to cool off. Yeah, it's interesting, Jerry. I mean, you raised the big point. I think if you take a look at if I'm TPG and I'm thinking, where's the growth going to come from here? I think they're placing a bet on, you know, Vice making this pivot to online video. We've even seen Facebook 
pivot. We've seen you know really focusing on online video, uh, and we know the growth there. So internet ad spending over the next five years is going to probably grow 10 to 12 percent a year. Uh, very strong growth, but online video will actually be growing about 25 percent per year over the next five years, uh, according to Magna Global. So that is really where uh, the secret sauce is for the internet in terms of growth. And I think you know if you're TPG and some of these other companies, uh, again you're trying to place some bets, and there really aren't that many bets you can do out there at scale that will allow you to have some control here. So here's my theory, and you guys weigh in on this. My thinking is that there are a group of investors here, some of which are in the game themselves. We just mentioned them, Fox, A&E, Disney. I don't really know how media is going to play out in the future. And they're investing in Vice because they're using Vice as a proxy for the future of media. And they're saying, we don't know but let's throw some money at this thing. And maybe TPG's thinking the same way because if we're right, then maybe we get our foot in the door really early. And by right, I mean Vice develops a direct-to-consumer relationship that upends the current cable business and, and general media consumption business. Is that fair? And also, is Vice really the right proxy for that? Isn't it too... Niche, in other words, yeah, maybe it's appealing to like the millennials of today, but do we really know that there's a sustained audience there? Well, I mean, you know, I think there are some other media companies that have looked at other online media companies. I mean, if you look at NBC, they've made $400 million in investment in BuzzFeed. Uh, BuzzFeed's valuation, according to this last round, um, is about $1.7 billion. So maybe that's a more rational valuation than $5.7 billion right. for Vice. I mean, certainly BuzzFeed is a huge internet juggernaut. Um, you know, they've got, uh, you know, Tasty, which is basically all those recipes on, you know, you know your Facebook uh, news feed. Um, you know, Vox Media has gotten $200 million investment from NBC as well. So it's Vice is you know, gets a lot of the attention just because it has this eye-popping valuation. But there's other traditional TV networks that have placed bets on other digital media companies. Yeah, and, you know, quite frankly, the, you know, with not a lot of success, um, you know, for D Disney, that uh, interactive business for them has really been a disappointment for years. I mean, if you were to look back on Bob Iger's tenure, you know, one of the operating areas where he has admittedly missed is just the whole kind of digital media gaming, uh, you know, kind of just digital media in general and their interactive media segments really been a disappointment. Has anyone succeeded of the major legacy media companies in that area? No. I mean, you, you, you know, you kind of go back to, you know, Viacom and 21st Century Fox fighting over MySpace back in the day. Right. Um, so, you know, the, you know, the, and really, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, we really have, and you think about digital media, online advertising, you really have a duopoly here. You have Facebook and Google, and uh, and that's it. And you've got Snaps and Twitters of the world are fighting for scraps. And so, um, you know, it's very, it's a difficult market for anybody to get into, to get in scale, um, because it's really developed as a, as a true duopoly. I mean, another thing that's, you don't hear a lot about with Vice is this Viceland cable channel. And I personally am curious about it because Vice has always positioned itself as being for millennials. And yet everyone I talk to in the industry is saying millennials are not subscribing to cable. So here's Vice, you know, taking over a cable channel, rebranding it as Viceland. Um, I mean, what we've seen from the ratings are that it's pretty small. But 
that was, you know, that is a very, still a very lucrative business being on cable because you don't, not only do you get the TV advertising, which is a lot more than online advertising, but you also get fees from cable companies like Comcast and Charter and AT&T. So if Viceland, if they could make it work, that's an, you know, you could point to the valuation and say, hey, there's something there. You've got a very successful cable channel. But I think right now, you know, that audience is pretty small. I don't know what kind of fees they're getting from cable providers, but that sort of dual revenue structure of the cable channel is extremely attractive if Vice could somehow find a way to make it work. And there we go. And maybe we've sort of meandered our way to, to my central point in wanting to do this episode, which is if the valuation of Vice is attached to a theoretical cable channel, that actually makes sense from a financial standpoint to me a little bit more than simply a digital advertising business, but does not make sense in a fundamental thinking about millennials. Why would you bet on millennials for a theoretical cable channel when all millennials are ditching cable? It doesn't make any sense to me. Right. And I think the... um and, and quite frankly, again, let's go back to the Viacom. Viacom's trading at two times revenue. So how do you justify a 10 times revenue for what might be a business model for Vice that may be predicated upon an online, you know, millennial-driven uh, digital kick cable channel? So I, I think it's kind of uh, – it's just I, – I think what we're what we're seeing here, and Jerry mentioned it with some of the other companies uh, with BuzzFeed and some of the others, there's a lot of money being thrown about by some of the traditional media companies and, and by even by some venture capitalists trying to you know make these digital media bets and you know if they can you know to focus on the millennial uh, segment of the audience which is now bigger than uh, baby boomers now uh, just recently so this is something that these companies have to figure out now I don't think the cable channel is the way to go about it I think what we've seen from a lot of companies is going direct to consumers so think think HBO now think CBS all access you know if you're an investor in the Walt Disney Company and if you're Bob Iger the CEO of, of the Walt Disney Company probably your number one strategic challenge is what do I do with ESPN how do I get ESPN content and the uh, directly to my consumers because I know they're cutting the cord and I've got to figure out a way to monetize that huge investment I've made in programming. And, and, and I can't logically charge customers $30 a month for this because who's going to pay that? And, right, right. And so how do I offer this stuff in a more palatable way when I already have these years-long commitments to pay billions and billions and billions of dollars on sports rights that, right. are, that end in 2022. And frankly, I can't afford not to pay that even when the next contract rolls up because somebody else will pay that, and that's my entire business. Right. So, yeah, that's the huge question here, I think. And, um, and so the traditional media companies, um, you know, they're trying to pivot their operating businesses as we speak, and the best example is ESPN. Um and they're also placing strategic financial bets out in the marketplace, BuzzFeed, Vox, and all these kind of kinds of things, and Vice. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing here. Bloomberg Intelligence media analyst Paul Sweeney and Bloomberg media reporter Jerry Smith joining us to explain Vice's valuation, or at least do our best to explain why this company is valued at $5.7 billion today, far above almost all of the other digital media companies hope you enjoyed that thanks for listening as always you can catch all of our episodes on bloomberg.com or the bloomberg terminal and also on apple podcasts and please rate and review the show on apple Podcasts. it helps other listeners find our content also follow me on twitter at sherman 4949 jerry where can people find you on twitter at jerry f smith and paul at pt sweeney sarah patterson is our producer alec mccabe head of podcasts see you next week